Well, good evening, everyone, for this uh, time of Lectio Divina. As uh, we seek to reflect upon the law of the Lord that is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb, and that is what we will do today. Uh, and the first, uh, well, today I will be meditating upon Psalm number one, uh, which is the, uh, well, the beginning of the Psalter. It is not actually a psalm in the sense of a song of praise or thanksgiving or lament, like many of the others, almost all the others are, it's rather a kind of a piece of teaching, a kind of a wisdom uh, message which is given here. And uh, that's something very, very uh, important as a kind of an introduction to what the Book of Psalms is all about. And so that's what we are looking at today when we, when we see Psalm number one. Now I always come uh, supplied with all kinds of show and tell things. I'm using as the text for tonight, I'll just use the breviary. Uh, this is my big print breviary because uh, I'm afraid I'm, uh, um, you know, as the years go by, the eyes uh, kind of don't work so well. So I'm uh, using it as a, um, as a breviary. But it's, it, and some, I, I often, I have another little book of Psalms, the Grail Psalms, in which I put into it, kind of my working copy, uh, where each Psalm is found in the Liturgy of the Hours. And uh, some of the Psalms actually, a goodly chunk of them, are pieces or verses are not found in the Liturgy of the Hours or the Bravery or the Divine Office uh, because they are maybe a little violent or a little whatever. But um, they're basically, they go through the course of the, uh, of the whole week and of the whole, four, over four weeks, we get through almost all the Book of Psalms. And uh, we have um, in uh, morning prayer songs of rejoicing and expectation. In uh, evening prayer, we have songs of serenity, as also in night prayer, just before we go to bed. Midday prayer, they're the psalms of the law, the Lord that guides us, and the psalms of journey, as we journey on our way to Jerusalem, the heavenly city of God. Office of readings or vigils, which the monks say in the middle of the night, often has psalms that speak to us of teaching of how we live our life or the history of God's people. And so the Office of Readings is where we begin in week one, the very first Psalm is Psalm one. Here are some books that might be useful. Uh, this is just simply, I think I refer to it, it's called An Introduction to the Divine Office. It's put out by Liturgical Press, I hope it's still in print, print. it's by John Brook, B-R-O-O-K, called The School of Prayer. So it's a little introduction and it also has a few little words about each of the Psalms uh, that are used in the order in which they are used in the divine office. So it's a useful little meditation. This is just a, a Psalter, uh, a Hebrew Psalter. Now, if you notice, it looks a little backwards because this is, you think this is the front page and this is the back, but actually this is the front page because in Hebrew, you go this way, not that way. And in fact, the, the, the language, the, um, the wording, instead of going this way, goes that way. So this is actually a nice uh, thing. You see what, the, what kind of what the Hebrew looks like. This is a Jewish um, thing, the Book of Psalms, uh, the Schottenstein edition. So it's very, very nice. This is a nice little thing. This is the, uh, the Grail Psalter in a nice small little pocket form. Um, the, the Grail Psalms were written, I don't know, in the 1950s or so, 
60s, uh, there was a group called The Work that was working on it. I don't know why they how it put together, but they're beautifully designed for singing and for prayer. They're very, very beautiful. And they were the psalms that were used when the Divine Office was put together in English after the Second Vatican Council. So apart from the fact that it's a very good translation, uh, very lively and just beautiful, and the fact that I've been praying these for over 50 years, so I'm used to them, um, it's, um, it's, it's also, it's just a very, it's very good. So I, I recommend it. And it's what's found in the Divine Office, so that's good reason for using, good reason for using it. But it's also very good. This is a, a new thing called the Revised Grail Psalms. And it's pretty much the same, except they've gone through every one of these Psalms in this translation, and they've tweaked it here and tweaked it there and tweaked it somewhere else. So this is actually probably a little more accurate in some ways. They've corrected a few little inaccuracies in the original Grail Psalter. But um, it's hard to get used to a new book of Psalms when you've been using this one for so long. So um, we will look at, uh, we'll pray and uh, reflect upon the um, Psalm number one, the very beginning. And uh, if you um, read the Psalm in the divine office, which I highly recommend people do this, they have at the beginning, they say, Psalm 1, there are two ways a man may take. It's in red print. That doesn't come from God. That just comes from the company that made the book, but it's helpful. So, you know, it, it introduces the theme. And they do that for all of the Psalms. Psalm 2, the Messiah, King and Conqueror. Then they give a little quotation in italics Again, uh, sometimes from scripture, sometimes from one of the spiritual writers of the church. And here it is, uh, they are happy who putting all their trust in the cross have plunged into the water of life from an author of the second century. And that's again, a little introduction to help us. And at the end, there's a little Psalm prayer to kind of help us meditate. Also, of course, we have the antiphons. These are the things which go before and after every Psalm. And here it is, see how the cross of the Lord stands revealed as the tree of life. And here we have the tree placed before flowing waters, which gives new life. And for us, the tree of the cross is that source of new life. And so what the antiphons usually do, and they're in, as we beautifully have uh, when we pray it here at the, uh, at the cathedral every month, we have the singing of the antiphons, the chanting of the Psalms. And uh, the antiphons beautifully set the tone and a theme to reflect upon as we pray the psalm. All of this is helping, helps us to appreciate the way the psalm speaks to us in our own lives, but also the way in which the psalm uh, is related to the whole of our Christian faith. And so, Psalm 1, it is a psalm that speaks of a, a very ancient tradition very important, and that is the tradition called the Two Ways. And there's an early Christian book, one of my favorites, called the Didache, or the Teaching of the Twelve Apostles, which has a wonderful opening line that I always like to quote. It says, there are two ways, the way to life and the way to death, and there is a great difference between them. That's an important thing to think about. We uh, live in a kind of world where we always have to make choices, go this way or that. I often point out that even the most complex computer program comes down to a little bunch of zeros and ones. 
So off and on, yes or no, this or that. We're always making choices. And so there are two ways. Do we go down this path or that path? And we need to think about that. And this Psalm number one helps us reflect on that. It's also something we find in the book of Deuteronomy. Do you wish to go this way or that with the Lord or not? We find it also, of course, in the Gospel of Matthew, the sheep or the goats, which do you want this way or that? And through the whole spiritual tradition, uh, even uh, up to uh, well, Ignatius Loyola in the beginning of the spiritual exercises, which do you choose, the cross of the banner of Christ or that of the evil one? So we're always being told to make, and for that matter, Billy Graham, to make a decision for Christ or not, come this way or that. So it's an ancient tradition and Psalm number one speaks to us of that. So now let's prepare to pray this first of all the Psalms, which speaks to us uh, of what our life is about in the two ways. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us to help us to meditate, reflect upon Psalm one, that we may always draw closer to you Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Take away from me, O Lord, all those barriers of sin, distraction, so that there may be a pathway to my heart that you may enter in. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind, when the wicked are judged, they shall not stand, nor find room among those who are just. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. As with every piece of scripture, we should say to ourselves as we hear this, what does it say to my head, my heart, and my hands? to my head that I may know the Lord more fully, to my heart that I may love him, and to my hands, what does it say practically about how I am to live my life? That's a good thing to think of whenever we pray the sacred scriptures. And Lecture Divina is not a lesson in scripture, it's praying the sacred scriptures. And so, happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night. 
It begins happy, blessed, most full of good fortune, most fortunate. This word, ashrei, blessed, it's the same as we have, of course, in the Beatitudes. So the book of Psalms begins with happy, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed. This is what we're called to. We're called to look upon a way of life which is full of joy, fulfillment, of fullness of life, to be what God calls us to be. And so often in life, people are not that way. Life is shriveled up, it is uh, tense, it is narrow, it may seem to be meaningless. But that's not the path for us. We are called to live a life of fullness. As, as uh, St. Irenaeus says, the glory of God is when man is fully alive. And of course, the glory of man is the vision of God. So we begin, happy indeed is the man, blessed, fortunate, full of joy is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners. Now here we have the bad path. This is the things, if you want to be happy, if you want to be not just happy and kind of happy, happy, but deeply living a deeply satisfying, profoundly joyful life. We must not follow the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners. And so we have the wicked, the sinners, and the scorners. There they are, that's not what we want. And we have the individual, the, the, the person, the one. Sometimes we say, happy indeed the man, it's Haish, which is the man, but also could, you could, some good translations say, happy indeed is the one who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners. We have a kind of progression here. From those who are wicked, those who are sinful, who are totally off track. And then the scorners who are mocking those who serve the way of the Lord, who follow the way of God. This is not where we want to be. And you notice that what it says here is that the individual, the person, the one, the man, the man, the man or the woman, is there making their moral decisions in life united, of course, to the whole community. And that's a point that our Holy Father's made actually today in his new letter, well, brothers all, that we're all joined together. We don't just go in an individualistic way, but we do come ultimately before the Lord face to face. And we have to, in our own hearts, make those decisions of what our life will be. And we can be drawn aside by the crowd. It is the wicked, the sinners, the scorners, the company of the scorners, the counsel of the wicked, the gathering of the wicked is another way of putting it. It's unfortunate that in some translations, especially the one we use in the liturgy called the Revised Standard Version, in an effort to avoid the word man, or the one they could simply have said, they say, happy indeed are those who do this and that. Well, that misses the point. If the individual needs to make a profound decision to follow the Lord and to act rightly, and avoid the crowd. It's the individual, the decision of justice and righteousness against the crowd. And notice what we see a lot in the Psalms. We have either composition or we have taking an idea. It's sort of like, I don't know whether it's ever been called the toffee principle of the Psalms, but you know, you take a thing, you stretch it, fold it over, stretch it again, you stretch it. So you take it, happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked. 
Okay, so we should think about that. And then, nor lingers in the way of sinners. Ah, it's like another dimension. It's sort of drawn out a little bit further. Nor sits in the company of scorners. And watch as we pray the Psalms, how often the same idea is drawn out, extended, expanded. Another image you could use for what happens is it's like a diamond with three facets. And first we see one, then flip the diamond, we see another, and flip it again, we see the third. And so we have a simple idea which we go into more and more deeply. And at first we may be tempted to follow the counsel of the wicked, just go in their direction. After that, we linger in the way of sinners. And then we sit and we're stuck. We sit in the company of the scorners. It's getting worse and worse. To follow, to linger, then to sit in the company of scorners. And so I remember I had a professor once teaching moral theology and he said, when come to temptations, you get the first look for free because that you can't avoid. But then you begin sort of like uh, David and Bathsheba lingering a bit longer and then getting further and further in, that's where the problem begins. So happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners. I think scorners are people you get on Twitter and social media. You know, scorners. Oh my, we get that a lot in our lives. If we'd only not scorn other people, look down upon them, and then it sometimes comes out we say are right, especially if we don't have to look them in the face, we go click, click, click. That's really bad. So that's, that's not gonna make us happy. Our life will not be full as it should be if we live that way. So that's the first point of the psalm. The good person, with a full life, living as, it should, as he should be, does not go this way, this way, or this way. But, whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night. Always watch whenever reading anything in poetry or literature or anything, asserting in the Psalms, look for those little words. I remember, when I was a seminarian, I studied in the seminary in London, Ontario, and the train would leave London, and it would just as soon as I got outside the city, uh, somebody would hop off, I guess, the, well, you see it actually here with the streetcars here. Uh, somebody would get off, the, the train guy would get off, pull a switch. If he didn't do it, you go to Hamilton. If he did, you go to Stratford and Guelph. So it was the, the switch. You go this way or you go that way. So always watch for the switch words. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but another direction, whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night, who repeats, prays it out loud, the law of the Lord, this is not thou shalt do this or shalt not do that. The law, the Torah, is more than just a bunch of instructions. It's the story of God's love for us. 
The law is sometimes, the whole five first books of the, of the Bible are called the law. And they're not only the Ten Commandments and things like that, though that is there, and a lot of other instructions, but also the story of God's grace, bringing his people out of Egypt, rescuing them from where they were trapped. And so the good person, the happy, the full person, he delights in the law of the Lord. The faith that is sad or mad and not glad is bad. It's very true. We don't want to serve the Lord with grim determination, but we delight in the law of the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing for joy. That's Psalm 100. And when I was ordained 47 years ago, I picked that as a kind of a motto for life. So whose delight is the law of the Lord? You might even say if you're guilty of a horrible pun in English, not in Hebrew, once you see delight, you're filled with delight. It's a joyful thing. It's just like uh, it says in the Psalm that is, the, the law of the Lord is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. And who ponders his law day and night, ponder it. Remember Our Lady pondered the message in her heart? We don't speed read the word of God. We don't dip into it here and there. We need to be pickled in the word of God, immersed in it, marinated in it. It's got to fill us completely. And that's why some people, you know, just, we, this is one of the benefits of reading the divine office, whether you use a big book like this or whether you pull out a little cell phone and read it on that. Our life, our day can be laced with the word of God through praying the great Psalms and all the other portions of scripture to ponder the law of God day and night. And it's good for us to know, although we aren't maybe doing this at two in the morning or so, that when you get the monks and the nuns who are contemplatives, they're out there doing that. I recommend a book, or not a book, it's a, a movie, a documentary called Into Great Silence. It's about the Carthusians. And they live anonymously. Whenever one of them writes a spiritual book, it's just the title is A Carthusian. They never use their name. When they die, they're buried in the ground and you never hear of them again. But they know, they, they ponder, they chew over, they say the word of God day and night. And in that, we are transformed. And I remember at a meeting or at kind of like a reception once asking somebody, what do you do for reading the scripture? He said, I just read a half an hour every day. And he just keeps going through the Bible, like that every day. It takes time. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night. Let's ask the Lord to help us meditate upon that. Do I seek to do that? To ponder God's gracious way day and night. How can I do that more? He ponders his law day and night. 
He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Again, it is drawn out again and again and again, the simple idea or the diamond is turned again and again. We see new insights in that simple thought. He is like a tree that is transplanted or planted beside the flowing waters. It can reach out, it's got water. It's got, it, you can imagine the, the dusty dry land where the Psalms came from. A tree that was planted next to flowing waters. It had life in the midst of desert death. I remember going once, my only time really for a real tour in the Holy Land, we went to the, the, the oasis of En Gedi. And there you have like bone dry, dead desert. And then suddenly, boom, greenery, water, flowers, trees, grass, just a line, boom, one to the other, because water was there. And where there is water, there is life. And so in our lives, if we ponder the law of the Lord day and night, if we seek to give ourselves completely to the Lord and not go in the way of the scorners, the wicked and so on, then we are like a tree that is planted right next to the water and our roots can reach out and just drink it in and we will grow and flourish. The tree that is planted beside the flowing waters. And very often in our imagery of our Christian faith, we look upon the fountains coming forth, new life, and we see very often, of course, the water of baptism. That's the sign, new water, new, new life in the waters of baptism most profoundly. And that's why we, at the beginning of our life, we go there to the baptismal font. We're clothed with the new clothing of salvation. And at the end of our life, when the body is brought along into the church, we put the baptismal pall over the coffin and the priest goes around incensing the body, of course, sign of reverence, but also sprinkling the coffin with the water, the sign of the water of life. That's what we do at Easter as well, with the baptismal water, the Easter water we sprinkle. It is a sign for us. That's why, not in COVID time, but at other times, we have a little holy water fonts. I know in my, my room at home, I think I'm safe in doing that, uh, just around the corner here, I have a little holy water font, some holy water. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters. When we sin and go on the way of the wicked and the scorners, when we sin, we cut off our connection to the water of life, to the sacraments, to everything, to God. And so we need to be planted next to that and not be cut off from what gives us life. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters. And if we are, then that yields its fruit in due season. Remember our Lord in the, the Gospel of John, I am the vine, you are the branches. Do not be cut off from the vine or you will be burned up, you'll just nothing. Look at all the parables that our Lord uses in the Gospel and speak of new life, fruitfulness. We're called to bear fruit, to show something, show the effect from the head and the heart to the hands. Let's have some effect there. It yields its fruit in due season. 
for that which is fruitless will be thrown away. Remember the parable, uh, whatever, when our Lord speaks of the man who tried to, they found that the tree was seen to be dead, but not fruitless, you know, fruitless. He says, give it a bit more time, but if it doesn't bring bare fruit after that, cut it down, it's not worth anything. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters that yields its fruit in due season, whose leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. That's the other way. Once we stay away from the scorners, the wicked and the sinners, once we don't go on that path, but have the moral courage to choose but to go in the another direction, then our life is filled not necessarily with earthly success, nor with earthly benefits. We think of just this last week, St. Therese, she got sick and she died at 24. She didn't have a long earthly life, but her life was full, fruitful. Or we think even more so, young Carlo Acutis who's going to be beatified in a few days in Assisi. He only lived to be 15, I think. He died in 2006, very short earthly life, and yet immensely fruitful. And why was that? because he was a tree planted beside the living waters. He went to mass every day. He prayed the rosary. He was close to the Lord. He drew strength from the Holy Eucharist. And therefore his whole life was fruitful and changed the lives of so many other people. And will continue to do so. That's what we need to be like. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters that yields his fruit in due season and his leaves shall never fade, and all that he does shall prosper. Then, it changed the switch now. Not so are the wicked. Not so, We've, they come back again. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. If we give our lives to the pathway of scorners and the wicked and the people who are turning away and are living a narrow, bitter life, then we will be not like a tree that is planted beside the waters, fruitful, we'll be like chaff. Because what they would do in ancient times, they would take the grain and the whole, all of it there on a windy kind of place, and they would have winnowing forks, they would shoot up into the air, the, air, the wind would blow away the, the chaff, the unimportant stuff, and the, the, the real, the grain would fall to the ground. That's how they would separate. So if we are casting our lot with those who are living a narrow, bitter life, the scorners, the wicked, the sinners, if we're moving in that direction, don't turn away from that by a deeply repentant heart. Then we're like poof, or the image we use at Lent is like ashes, chaff, nothing. Shall be driven away by the wind. When the wicked are judged, they shall not stand, nor find room among those who are just. And that's a call for us to think about it. And so often in the parables of the Lord, and indeed when he speaks of the last judgment, 
He talks about the parable of the talents, of making good use of what you have fruitfully. And then very right after that, the moment comes when the master returns. And what have you done with what I have given you? Especially the time we are given on this earth. What, are you, what have you done? When the moment of judgment comes, when the wicked are judged, they shall not stand nor find room among those who are just. We should think, Lord, teach me the shortness of my life that I may gain wisdom of heart. That too is from the Psalms. Life is short. Sometimes it's short and holy, like Giancarlo Acutis, who became essentially a saint in 15 short years. You can become a saint in many years, like Mother Teresa of Calcutta or Santa Teresa, very few years. But life is short. Even, you know, you think about that as you get older. I tell you, I'm 73 and I don't have another 73 to go. Well, even, but then again, any of us, we never know. Life is short, a moment and a twinkling of an eye. And so we should always be ready to meet the Lord because we do not know the day or the hour when we will be coming before the Lord. And we hope that in our life we have been like a tree that is planted beside the fruitful waters and not like chaff that is blown away by the wind. It concentrates our minds when we realize that, you know, every time we go to bed, you know, angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, this night be at my side, delight to guard, to rule and guide. Here I am, Lord. I hope I will wake up in the morning, but maybe I won't. And none of us knows. And so we need to live each day ready to meet the Lord. That's why I think of, I think I mentioned this before, that sign you often see in sacristy. So I guess we don't actually have it on this one. Maybe I'll have to change that. It says, priest of God, celebrate this mass as if it were your first mass, as if it were your last mass, as if it were your only mass. And I think we need to have written on our hearts, if not on our walls, think about it as we get up in the morning. Christian, live this day as if it were your first day, as if it were your last day, as if it were your only day. What a difference that makes in how we live. Ready to meet the Lord. My bags are packed, I'm ready to go. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. When the wicked are judged, they shall not stand, nor find room among those who are just. We're called to repentance. And remember the first words of John the Baptist and the first words of Jesus in his mission. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near at hand. It's not far away, near at hand. And so this beginning to the book of Psalms is rightly the beginning of our life. 
we should think about it. <laughs> week one, when we go through the four weeks of the book of Psalms in the divine office, there it is, right at the start. And then the psalm ends off with a little boom, boom, one-two punch. Sums it all up. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. That's it. We could just maybe make that a sign we put on our wall or in our hearts. For the Lord guards the way of the just, the way of the wicked leads to doom. So there. That's everything. <laughs> so really? There we are. And we need to think about that. Notice that there's a little nuance here that maybe might help us in our life. It speaks of the way of the just and it speaks of the Lord. The Lord guards the way of the just. It's in our relationship with God who gives us new life like the tree beside flowing waters receives life. The way of the wicked doesn't say anything about God. It's just the way of the wicked. The decisions made by the wicked lead to doom. That's, we, God doesn't send us to doom. It's our own decision that does that. God is drawing us to the way of the just. It's our own decisions that lead us away from that. We're fighting against the current of God's grace. And he's with us all the time. I think of the great poet, the great and holy person, which I hope, who I hope someday will be canonized, Francis Thompson who knew what it was like to struggle with good and evil and who himself had terrible addictions. But he wrote about the hound of heaven who chases after the grace of God like a hound within unperturbed pace, majestic instancy, chasing after us. God is there seeking to bring us, to find us, to bring us to the living waters. And we're running away on the way of doom. So let's give up running away. Let's just let the Lord take us where he wants to take us and not keep running away from him. For the Lord guards the way of the just and the way of the wicked leads to doom. Not worth it. Life is short, eternity is long. We gotta, as the Psalms say and is constantly in the, the gospel, you know, the day is short, the, the Lord is here, the master returns. So this is a psalm that speaks to us. It opens the whole book of Psalms. In a sense, it summarizes the book of Psalms. But it speaks to each of us in our daily life. It's good to read this Psalm maybe every day, although it's really Psalm 95 that is usually read every day, which we, we prayed last week or last month. So let's think about it. What it says to our mind about reality, how things are, not how we project our subjective desires, but how things really are. The actual is much more important than the potential or the illusion. This is way, the way things are objectively. We don't manipulate the world in, by what we think or pretend. That's illusion. 
This is it, this is real life. So we need to think of that, reflect on it. And then live accordingly and let us be transformed by the grace of God who pursues us always and as always wants to bring us home. Happy indeed is the man who follows not the counsel of the wicked, nor lingers in the way of sinners, nor sits in the company of scorners, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who ponders his law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters that yields its fruit in due season and whose leaves shall never fade and all that he does shall prosper. Not so are the wicked, not so. For they, like winnowed chaff, shall be driven away by the wind. When the wicked are judged, they shall not stand, nor find room among those who are just. For the Lord guards the way of the just, but the way of the wicked leads to doom. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.